Interesting. Wow, Lori, you're not getting any younger. <laughs> no, I'm just saying keep it I'm so grateful that my mother has not done that to me yet. Says that. That's She's kidding, funny. but she wants to be pregnant now. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Fishers of Men podcast, brought to you by us at So Much Media. I'm Mary Ashley Burton. I'm Laura Samara. This podcast is about relationships and your walk with Jesus. It's about the true stories of Christian men and women's struggles with chastity, sex, marriage, and relationships in a post-Christian culture. So thank you all for joining us. We're here with some of the cast and crew of a musical called I Love You Because. And so could we learn who each of you are and what your role is in this musical? Sure. My name is Laura Bevilacqua, and I'm playing the role of Marcy. Hi, um, my name is Carol Becker, and I'm the director. Hello, I'm Emily Mayheller, and I'm one of the producers. Hi, my name is Kristen Bennett, and I'm playing the role of Diana. Your name is actually Bennett. Yeah, that's amazing. It is. (laughs) (laughs) That did not go unnoticed. My name is Betsy Freeman, and I am co-producing with Emily. Awesome. So could someone, or all of you, tell us a little bit about what this musical is? I guess that will fall to me. This is a contemporary modern love story. I'll call it a romantic comedy, if you will. Uh, It is inspired by Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice, but I don't want to confuse anybody who is who's going to be coming to see it. It is definitely not an adaptation of Pride and Prejudice, but it is inspired by, whereas Pride and Prejudice has a protagonist in the form of the glorious Elizabeth Bennet. In our musical, our protagonist is a lovely gentleman by the name of Austin Bennet. And whereas Elizabeth Bennet has several sisters in Pride and Prejudice, we have one brother uh, named Jeff Bennet. And in Pride and Prejudice, where we have the character of Darcy as a love interest, we have the character of Marcy in I Love You Because. <laughs> so there are plays on, on character names. And essentially, this musical, I think, at its core is kind of about thinking about what people are expecting when they think about love and what they want their significant other to have. And I think it kind of just kind of fights against what this imaginary list is. Although I honestly don't think it's an imaginary list. I think that almost everybody, when they are single, creates a list. And that list is, I would say, a good solid 10 times out of 10 wrong for who we inevitably wind up Mm. meeting. And this musical essentially proves exactly why that's the case. Essentially, it kind of shows why yin and yang really does work when you are with somebody who is able to bring things to your life things that maybe you didn't think you needed in your life and where where somebody is able to bring things to your life that there is i think a beautiful chemistry and that's where interesting things happen i love that we're talking to you now because our previous episode was about rom-coms so this is just great for everyone here, what attracted you to this musical? You can go into like how you came upon the project and how you got attached, but what is the thing that you're like, I gotta do this? Yeah. Maybe even at the inception, because it's is it an original by somebody of no. the team? Or um, is it- so I guess very briefly, this was originally produced off-Broadway 10 years ago. Oh, wow. And this is something that I became aware of, I'm guessing, probably about nine years ago. So this has always been on my radar of pieces that I wanted to direct. Awesome. Uh, two gentlemen created this as their thesis project for their MFA as part of NYU's musical theater thesis program and it just happened to get produced off Broadway. I absolutely love every single thing about this musical and I wound up being at a brunch and I happened to be sitting next to Betsy. Wow. And the rest I will let her jump in and tell you. Yes. I'm a musical theater fan and and a performer since childhood and so I've always like I mean there's times when I've said it's like you know there's Jesus and then there's musical theater like those are the things that I think about okay um there's other things that I do but honestly those are the things so when I I happened to meet have a mutual friend who has a musical theater background as well and, and she and I used to work together she had a birthday brunch Carol and I were sitting next to each other and so Carol was talking about this show I don't think she's even really talking to me per se but you know I didn't know a lot about the show per se but I told her that I like to produce and she said I need a music director so I said well you know if I can get a music director on board you know like maybe we can see if we can get a team together 
And so, you know, I followed up. We followed up with each other, like, right away. Literally the next day. Like, there there was literally the next day I got an email from Betsy saying, so, I really want to do this. And I was kind of in shock. I was like, oh, my God. Like, really? You're going to actually help this dream of mine come true? And as a result of meeting Betsy, Emily came on board. Yes. So, uh, Betsy contacted me, and we've worked mutually on similar shows in Southern California and so she contacted me and knew my producing background and said hey are you interested in meeting Carol this director she's interested in doing this show based on Pride and Prejudice and then I was like oh Jane Austen okay (laughs) and we met and we clicked right away and I listened to the music and I read the script and I just loved the premise of it. I loved what it brings out in people and connecting people and just I fell in love with the team and I was like I have to get on board with this because it just seemed like a fabulous story to tell. And that's for what drew these ladies. That's I'm, I'm curious. I, I don't know what drew you guys to come and audition. This will be good, good to know. <laughs> Um, so, uh, I think what, what did it for me was, I actually, I've been, I've been in LA for two years and I haven't really done any kind of acting or anything. I was working full time and just didn't have time for any of that. So I decided to kind of like recommit to going out there and, and, and auditioning for things. And I saw this post for the audition and my roommate, Liz, who I live with, um, she just kind of immediately lit up. She was like, oh my gosh, I love this musical. It's got the best music. So she played some of it for me. And then she told me that it was based on Pride and Prejudice, which is my favorite book. And yeah, so I was like, well, this sounds like a really good fit. My last name is Bennett. So I was like, this is perfect. <laughs> Destiny. Um, yes, exactly, exactly. Actually, my mom told me, she said, because yeah, Pride and Prejudice is her favorite book as well. And she said, I almost named you Elizabeth. It's <laughs> like, wow. why? Why didn't you do that? So, <laughs> yeah, so I just, it seemed like, um, you know, I was available and I wanted to kind of get back out there. And so, yeah, I decided to give it a go. Awesome. And Laura? Yeah, I... I've been in LA for the last couple of years too, but um, I was down in Torrance, pretty much just on a total spiritual sabbatical with Jesus, just really removed from the world. And Sounds nice. It was. It was, you know, when God's spiritually blessing you, it can be pretty gnarly, but like beautiful at the same time. Mm. But so I, had, I moved up here six weeks ago, actually two days before the audition. And we have a mutual friend with Betsy, and she, I've never looked up auditions in LA yet. I haven't even stepped into that yet, but um, she sent me the posting at five o'clock the day of, and I was just, you know, like really in, in wanting to align myself with God, and he'd been telling me to audition for like six months, and I hadn't. He told me to move for six months. I hadn't. So I, they send out links with all the songs, and so I clicked on it, and I Love You, You're Perfect Now Change is like my favorite musical, and I really want to do it. Hint, hint. And, um, <laughs> and I just decided to go, and like I wasn't unpacked, and you know, hair up, no makeup, and I was like, okay, it's five. Like I can totally like shower and make myself audition ready and find something to wear in my suitcase in the next two hours. So um, yeah, I just... I just felt, um, you know, sometimes when you see something and it catches your attention and you just immediately feel that pull and you feel a yes to go. So awesome. I, wow. I went. Yeah. That's great. <clears throat> That's amazing. So for everyone, uh, I know, Carol, you kind of went into this a little bit. What would you say are some big takeaways for the audience when they go to see this? So like, what, what are the most important lessons for you all? You never know how an audience is going to respond. And I would say my main mission, and this is what I told the cast, and definitely what I told Emily and Betsy, I want everybody to leave in a better mood than how they came in. And truthfully, if everybody leaves in a better mood than, than the two hours that they came in previously, I will feel that I have at least succeeded in that. In the spirit of, do I think that this is like the deepest musical out there? No, this is a rom-com, so this is going to be a feel-good kind of show. There is so much humor in it. I mean, a lot of it is, I guess, kind of a little bit of dirty humor here and there. A little bit of juvenile delinquent humor, too. I mean, if I'm being perfectly candid and honest. But I do think as far as, like, an interesting lesson, I think it is going back to what I was talking about earlier, about this preconceived ideas of who we think we are supposed to be with. And Mm. I certainly don't want to act like a know-it-all just because I am married. I am not a know-it-all, and nor am I a know-it-all because I am the oldest of those of us that are in here. But (laughs) what I will say, as the proud person who is age 40, 
is if I could go back in time and have a conversation with my 20-something-year-old self, the things that I would tell that person, like, I literally feel that for the longest time I was looking for the male version of me, that that's what I really wanted. Like, the qualities that I would rattle off, I literally feel like they were the male version of me. Mm. And I think that I would have killed (laughs) the male version (laughs) of me. And Mm. I think that what I really wanted was somebody who would bring things to the party that is my life that I was maybe lacking. And Mm -hmm. I literally found somebody who makes me an exceptional human being and, and who truthfully, I think, loves me for all of my craziness, all of my neuroses. On days when I do not feel gorgeous, when I do not feel beautiful, when I do not feel intelligent, still thinks that I am the greatest human being on the planet. And no matter what he does, I'll still say that he is the greatest human being on the planet until somebody convinces me otherwise. And that that's a really wonderful thing. And I waited a long time for it. And I think that I grew along the way. And I think that women particularly, we we give ourselves time limits for everything. And that's putting such a ridiculous amount of like unnecessary pressure on us. It's so not necessary. And I feel like life kind of happens when it's meant to happen. And I think that that's another message that kind of is underneath this musical. Marcy and Austin, in the spirit of Marcy trying to help Austin win back his ex-girlfriend, they wind up falling in love with each other. You know, I, I don't know that that was necessarily like predestined when she originally you know, thought that she was going to be, like, doing him, you know, throwing him a bone, doing him a favor, (laughs) in hopes that by helping him, she would inevitably find her Mr. Right. Not really looking at him as though he was her Mr. Right. Kind of feels like Emma, also, which is very Austin, obviously. Yeah. So, uh, just piggybacking off of what you were saying, and anyone is free to talk about this, uh, can you talk about your main characters? Of course, not giving away spoilers, but... Kind of talk about their journey, their growth, where they they start um, emotionally in the beginning, and then where they kind of end up. I mean, thematically on this theme of love and like realizing that your perfect person that you've had in your mind since you were five or ten or thirteen or whatever, like how that has to change as you change. I assume it kind of sounds like that. That is kind of where it goes. Correct me if I'm wrong. I haven't seen it yet, but I will. <laughs> I, I would actually love the actresses to really talk a little bit about this. I mean, I know we've definitely had some conversations about this, but what I think is very interesting is that each of the characters has an idealized version of who they believe their Mr. or Miss Wright is supposed to be. And throughout the course of the musical, like from the first act to the second act, like that completely and utterly winds up not being the case. It's kind of an interesting kind of thing to like watch what changes they individually go through, but I'd love the actresses to talk about that. Sure. Uh, so I would say the character of Diana, you know, one of, one of Diana's first song is called the Actuary Song. So she's an actuary. She deals with lots of numbers. And she, you know, has extended that into her personal life. So the whole song is about the math that goes into how to navigate dating properly. Mm, I love it. And it's this whole philosophy that she is 100%, you know, sold on. And, and, and she's trying to sell it to Marcy in this song. So I think that, you know, her evolution through the play is she meets this guy who she, she likes him because he is completely the opposite of what she feels like she needs. And so she's, you know, according to her dating philosophy, she's in this place of what she calls wild abandon. So she's just going to go out there and just kind of throw caution to the wind so that she can kind of bide her time until she meets the right guy. And then she meets this guy who's completely wrong for her and ends up falling in love with him. And that's kind of a little bit of her arc. Um, What I like a lot about that is that I think that, you know, like all great art, it kind of inspires you to think about like the great, the other themes in your life. And, you know, one of the huge motivators for people is fear right so you have like this list of things you know like a system for living your life that's supposed to protect you and it's supposed to make everything perfect and diana had she not opened herself up to you know actually meeting this person and giving him a chance had she let that fear kind of keep her away from him it, it never you know it never would have happened she never would fall in love and well in terms of marcy's character i think we have like very traditional, like traditional musical theater roles. Like our, we're very like polar opposite of each other, and we're best friends in the show. Well, she's positive about like these necessary steps to find the one through dating, not the one. I don't. 
at least in, in where I'm at now in my process, I'm still very much in process with my character, and I know there'll be a lot more that will be discovered between now and opening, but, you know, my opening in the actuary, I sing with her, but Marcy, I don't actually think Marcy knows what she's looking for. I think she knows what she doesn't want. I think she's very clear on that. I think she's a generalized picture of her perfect man, like an idealized version, mm-hmm. but in terms of the nitty-gritty I feel like she's more all over the place and just really not sure. She's just come out of a breakup, a two-year long-term relationship. She's having a conversation with Diana about, you know, did I make the right choice? Just very, like, she's very, like, flighty and, like, impulsive and sort of all over the place. A lot of dialogue is sung outward. So, but I think it's really interesting that I think it lends itself to the theme of, you know, so many women think that if they do the right thing or they say the right thing or that it's so contingent on, I guess, who they are or how they're showing up, which it is. But I guess I personally believe that there's like so much, so much more than that. So when she finally um, just sort of lets go, which she lets go, but she decides to micromanage. She decides to take on a micromanaging approach, which I think is a very worldly view to dating. Like, just controlling. Like, even if you look, you know, like, internet dating now, you know, like, when you look online and you're, like, looking through, you know what I mean? Like, you can see, like, their profession and, like, their interests. And so you can be like, oh, no, they're out, Mm -hmm. they're out, they're Mm -hmm. out, you know? So, yeah, in the same situation, I choose Austin to date him because he's, like, I would never, ever, ever in a million, million years, like, ever date him. Like, in my mind is my character. So, yeah, and it's, it's, there's a huge progression, I think, in my character and both our characters in terms of, like, how they get to where she is with Austin. And I think the big moment is there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of self-protection. I mean, honestly, like, looking at my character, like, I don't think she should be dating at all. Like, she's essentially kind of a hot mess, you know? <laughs> but it's, it's yeah. amazing how, two, seriously, she was my friend. I'd be like, girlfriend, no. But how, <laughs> how two people in so broken... And so hurting. I'm not sure that I necessarily subscribe to it, but how they can come together and, you know, essentially help heal one another and complete one another. And maybe, maybe that can happen. I definitely see it happening in the context of a musical, but it's just really interesting to see the development of the characters through that. I think it's interesting that you say that you're not necessarily sure it should happen, which is a thought that I have also had. I don't know that these (laughs) characters are really, I don't want to say should be together, but you know, I don't know that I come away from the end of this being like, oh, they're going to get married and like things will be fine. I think uh, what I like about it is the larger point. It's that you can't allow your fear to keep you from, from working, Right. right. From working at it and trying to like meet that person where they are and grow with them. So that's what I really love about it. But I do think it's funny that you mentioned, I don't know that they should really be together. Well, this uh, is a good segue to my next question that I was just like thinking as you were talking first and then as you were talking about like the control factor. Fear obviously plays a big factor in relationships. The fear of going into one, the fear of being in one and getting, you know, being broken, whatever. There's a lot of fear that goes around also love and relationship. It's just part of it. How does this musical touch on that and the characters and how do they deal with their own fear? Well, I think it's so interesting, the constructs that we as human beings set up. It's like we say we want relationships, we say we want intimacy, we say we want to be connected to one another, but it's like all of these walls and things that we have in place. And I mean, that is so like Marcy's character, I think all of our characters, but there's a line in the show where Marcy's saying being hurt with or feeling hurt with him is better than feeling free alone. And so I think that's a real turning Mm -hmm. point for Marcy's character in terms of she's willing to sacrifice the autonomy and the control and letting her walls and her boundaries down and Mm. being vulnerable. That's very universal and that really, actually really, really speaks to me. That's probably my favorite thread of my character and I feel like that's really like the core of it and then it, it builds off that. So yeah, that's... The fear of being alone in the end. Just, you know, the hurt. Choosing to be alone. Choosing to be, and and I get that because, so, um, I'm actually divorced. And I finalized my divorce three years ago. And I chose to be totally, fully single, no dating, obviously celibate. But for the first time in my life. And I've never not dated, ever, since I was like 17. Mm. And... At first, it was out of a wise place of, you know, I'm really broken, right? Like, I'm shattered. I really need time for Mm -hmm. restoration and healing. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was just being wooed by Jesus and, like, allowing all that healing to take place. 
But then at some point it got perverted and it really got turned into like having caution tape around myself and like everything I touch, I'm going to break and Mm. not trusting people, you know? So I think there can be wisdom in taking seasons of aloneness, but I feel like this explores that, um, of staying in solitude out of self-protection. Yeah, it's so true because I feel like sometimes it's in relationships that we see kind of the worst parts of ourselves come out and like the things that we most need to deal with. And so I know in myself that's been something that's kept me from pursuing relationships sometimes is that I'm just like, oh, no, like this is revealing too much about me that I don't want to deal with and I'm just going to shut this down. Right, it's that fear again. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and that's the beauty of it is like I believe that actual relationships and marriages, like that's what they're created to do is shed light on that. And that's actually another through line is like where there's resistance. So it's like the fact that I'm so not into Austin, I feel like when you're that like, no, 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 that usually means that there's something there to look at. Mm-hmm. So I think that's also, also allow you to be vulnerable to the, I mean, to be more vulnerable to that person because yeah. you're going in and you're kind of like, well, there's no risk here, right? Exactly. There's yeah. nothing that's going to develop mm-hmm. from here. And so that allows them to get a little bit closer to right. those parts. You of don't you. need to build that artifice. The stakes aren't as high. Right. Well, you're right. already, well, you're already, but you're somewhat putting up a wall anyway by by going into the relationship right, saying, and saying it's oh, a no it's a no mm-hmm. so nothing's going to happen but you might be more willing to just say whatever and right. really expose yourself in a way that you're just like you're it's not going to right you're not, not yeah, you might as well hear this mm-hmm. now whereas otherwise I'd be like I'm not sure I want to tell this guy yes, exactly I come around me yeah oh wow that's a good point Mm-hmm. I wanted to go back to the yin and the yang. You you talked about that in your own personal relationship, and then you talked about like these two people coming together in brokenness, and then, but but complementing each other still even in that brokenness. Again, I understand it's not necessarily condoning doing that, but I want to talk about that theme about how you know starting from I have this idealistic person um, that is going to be my mate one day. Maybe it's the male or female version of myself whoever, and then coming up with like meeting somebody and, and really seeing how you complement each other in your differences and where I'm weak, you're strong and vice versa and how that actually makes for a strong relationship. Not, not to say that two people of similar personalities can't make it work, but how it does fit so well when it is complementing each other versus just like both being type A or both being really introverted and like not knowing how to take the next step or whatever. So does anyone want to speak on that and on, how it pertains to the, the play? What I feel, what I hope is the lesson from, from these characters, because I do feel that what will happen in the second act without giving away too much, because I do feel that with a rom-com, I think we all kind of know that we're going to be getting a happy ending of sorts. <laughs> so I, 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 hope I'm to, I hope to God I haven't just given it all away. Sorry, oh, <laughs> But in this fresh vulnerability, like I feel like there, there is the gold. There is the... There is the richness that is there. And as far as my four leads are concerned, Diana hits it first. She is the first one that is willing to go there of the four. The gentlemen, comically, are almost the last two to get there, although Austin is the absolute last. I would say that might kind of be a tie between the character of Jeff and the character of Marcy as to which one of them gets there first. Uh, Diana is definitely the first one there. Austin is definitely last with what it is with this to, to freely give over. And what I think happens with this, what I feel happened with me personally, and I guess perhaps because it happened with me personally, I'm recognizing it in the musical, is that the soul knows what the soul needs. Mm. Your soul knows more, far more than your head ever will. Mm. Period. The end. I'll debate this with anybody. I think that because our heads have this, you know, I've got to find somebody who's at least, you know, six foot two. Um, mm-hmm. I prefer that he be a bigger man to match my bigger frame. I'd like, you know, a nice teddy bear. Uh, he's got to, you know, match me on par with my wit and humor and uh, let him at least be able to. Yes, I have to have somebody that I can verbally play ping pong with and all of this other stuff. And when I wound up meeting my husband, it's almost a shame he's not here just so that y'all could visually see what we are like together. When I tell you that he's five foot five, bald hair, glasses, incredibly soft-spoken, he's introverted, but he's, 
incredibly hysterical. He'll like throw out a zinger and you're like, where did that come from? <laughs> um, but he is both shorter than I am and he weighs less. And whenever I have a friend who's just like, I'm like, you should try dating. They're like, no, I just don't know. Blah, blah, blah. Like, you don't know what you can get. I'm like, let me just ask you because you know me. I'm like, do you think that I went to bed every night praying to God to please send me somebody who is both shorter and weighed less? <laughs> so that I could confront one of my biggest insecurities as a woman every single day for the rest of my life so that I would get to wake up and be like, and I still weigh more. That's just great. God, thank you so much. Like, do you think that that's what I pray to God for? Like, so that that would be like, but I'm like, you know, I'm kind of happy that, you know, God was listening to me in a different way because I prayed to God to please send me just like a really wonderful human being. Mm. Please send me that. And God listened in that way. God sent me far better than probably I even deserve. And yes, every single day, this man weighs less than I do and (laughs) will continue to weigh less than I do until the day that my toes curl up. And you know what? It's okay. It's okay. It's beautiful. One of the things that I love about this show is that these these characters show that you can you can bring your walls down and be vulnerable and find love in very unexpected places when mm. you're when you're really not looking for it. And I think a lot of the time it surprises you, like Carol's talking about. It's very different than what you imagined in your head and what and that criteria that you put and somewhat pressured you know on your list of things that you know you need to have and sometimes it is the person that's completely opposite of you that brings out your best qualities Mm. and brings out the better you and a lot of people do talk about you know finding your better half and I truly believe these characters find that in this show because they're finding the better half that helps complete the things that they were missing even though they might not have known at the time that that was what they were lacking. I can speak to this a little bit, too. I um, I grew up with someone who, at a certain point, the Lord pointed out to me and said, "You have he has some of the qualities that you're looking for. And since I already knew him, I was like, really? Because we kind of already dated a little at this point, and I was kind of, I was like, I don't really... But I listened, and so and so we dated for a year, and he became really, truly my best friend and he also was the opposite of me in many ways like I was I'm not I was not a planner and that didn't like happen in my family it really works for my family like they just that's not how my parents operate but he was the opposite like he would plan out everything meticulously in advance and he knew how to get things done he knew how to communicate and I changed tremendously through that year and in many years since, like long after we broke up for years, I was asking myself, what would he do in this situation? Because whatever it was, that was what was going to work. I knew it because he almost never failed at anything he ever did. And um, I needed him like tremendously. And even though the relationship didn't work out the way it wanted to, and, and I and we certainly didn't plan for you know other things that happen, like you don't know. You really don't know until you see it what is going to change your life and how you are going to need role models that, you know, that aren't just ideals in your head. You need someone that you can watch and you need someone you can ask for advice and you need someone who knows you and can get in your face and say, look, you've done this before and this isn't working for you. So try it a different way this time. Try it my way. Yeah. You know, and, and, um, we don't like that because we don't want to be changed and I, we don't often want to be challenged. I'm better at it now, but I certainly wasn't back then. And that challenge, like when, when you, there's a lot of trust involved. So when you truly trust someone and let yourself go and have that person challenge you in a healthy way, you can change and in it for the better in so many ways for, you know, and like you found a new part of yourself that help that continues to help you each day. And so when you find that right person and that, that person will help you become a better person, not necessarily force you to change but it's like you're working together in order to just be a better person no it just always reminds me of when they say you know iron sharpens iron um, you know we don't really ever think about what that truly looks like and I mean iron hitting iron is like sparks are flying and it's like loud and it's like you know and I feel like it's a lot of at least that's what Marcy and Austin's character are you know for sure so there's a lot of you know 
um, like agitating, like moving things. Like if you hit a stone wall and then stones start to crumble, you know, things have to move. So, I mean, I think like that's all great, but it doesn't always, I don't think it always looks the way we think it should look, which I think also lends itself to these characters and the plot in this and them, you know, agitating each other to life, if that, or into fullness or into uh, more temperance or balance in terms of, you know, who they, who they are. Yeah, I think that also speaks to how, and I think some of what you all have said has touched on it, that like, we also can't really assign the role that someone will play in our life to them when they come into our lives. Mm -hmm. And so, Mm. you know, like, because sometimes, you know, I have met guys that that crossed crossed off everything on my list, you know, and I was like convinced this is it, you know, and then it turned out to totally not be the case. But at that same time, there was something that they taught me and there was a reason for them being in my, so it's like, I very often fall, and it sounds like the characters do too, fall into a binary of like, yes column, no column, (laughs) like, will be my future husband, or I will never speak to him again, and, you know, like, is of no use to me, but there's just so much that everyone that we encounter can teach us. Yeah, that's a really hard pill to swallow, especially if you've been in relationships where, you know, it didn't end well or whatever, and it's hard to be appreciative of those people. Can we speak to the characters in, in the way, in the same way that, like, in Pride and Prejudice, uh, Darcy and Elizabeth both learn that both of them, in some ways, are prideful, and both of them are prejudiced in some ways and separately. I'm not even sure if this is doable without spoiling too much, but... Can you give something away like that where thematically what what are the characters teaching each other that's more than just like being appreciative of life and but you know what what are some thematic life lessons that they're learning I think um when it comes to Diana because she um I think of her as very kind of like a straight-laced and professional and and her mm. you know she's an actuary I think she probably works in the financial district right and so that's partially why she has the system mm. um and it's funny because um <laughs> they actually end up meeting these guys because Diana goes on J-date even though she's not Jewish <laughs> <laughs> and um so she's she's absolutely not looking for someone that she thinks is is going to be a match for her and I think that what she um kind of learns with with Jeff is, you know, I think that she probably in her mind is like the guy that she's supposed to end up with is like another kind of straight lace suit and tie financial sector kind of guy. And so she meets this guy who is just kind of a mess, frankly, and not at all, you know, mature or grown up yet. And, and he starts to, I mean, it's even in the dialogue, he starts to pick up the kind of things that she says. So she has that influence on him. And I think that the influence that, that Jeff probably has on her is just to kind of be a little more open to not making a formula for everything. Right. Mm -hmm. And like showing her that like this possibility of this life that isn't you know, planned out and structured is is really pleasurable and, and fun and, and has potential. Yeah, and I think with um with Marcy and Austin there's a song called Even Though and she's trying to tell she's telling Austin that she loves him basically despite all the things about him she can't stand. Like, you know, he drove her crazy. Hello. They have nothing in common. You know, he's really, um, like uptight and, you know, and she's very like wild and like free spirited and mm-hmm. adventurous. And, but then at the end, there's a song called I Love You Because, and it's actually really, really beautiful, <laughs> the, the the sentiment behind it. But I think it's so much about, you know, us, again, wanting to control people or change people or getting fixated on who we think they should be or what we need them to be in our lives, which I think is at least so much a part of my walk is really just giving people space to be fully who they are and learning how to come alongside them even when we don't agree with them or like we see that they're being boneheads and frankly Austin is a bonehead through most of this show and that's something that I'm working on like with my character because that's somewhere that I struggle in life and so I find it interesting that that translates into the script for me in terms of my character and cultivating the relationship with him and extending that grace Mm -hmm. to to meet him with exactly where he's at because in the end you know they say I don't just love you in spite of your flaws the flaws become who they are. So it's like, I love you because you like routine and precision. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Mm. I like that. You know, often people think that's a compliment. Like, I love you despite these mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z things. But 
that is really beautiful. Like it becomes part of the person of who you are. Of course, you are holistically everything, you know, your experiences, your flaws, everything, you know, and if that person is not loving you holistically, you might want to pause about that relationship. Just to kind of piggyback off of that, not to go on it too much of a tangent, but um, it's it's so funny. As I've been like thinking about like my own relationship history and also in this the show, the song I don't know if you guys are familiar with called "For Good" from Wicked, mm-hmm. and the idea behind yeah. like um, the the people of friends that you meet are you know mm-hmm. your relationships or whatever, even if it's painful and even if you know like there are times when you have been hurt, they still have changed you in some way. They're still mm-hmm. in some kind of way a blessing to your life, right? They have inspired you to do something or they've helped you learn something about yourself or you guys have just been blessings to each other in in different ways and so I think about this that kind of theme a lot in this show like even if they don't end up together or you know maybe an unexpected blessing like someone like Jeff who is someone that Diana would never have considered dating before but she he changes her in such a way that it really is to better her which is not something that she expects yeah and sorry that's like I really believe that like relationships especially romantic ones can really, like, alter the course of your life, Mm -hmm. either positively (laughs) or negatively. And if you look at it in a positive context, I feel like, you know, they can really be the catalyst for, like, true transformation and change. And like you said, shining light on your darkness. Like, I know for myself, like, for me, that defining line in the sand was my divorce. It was the end of my marriage, you know? And it was, Mm -hmm. like, it could have either been really ugly and really bad and like bitterness you know what I mean but like the thing that I am more grateful for than anything in the whole world was my husband walking out the door now I'm just so I'm grateful for it I mean I wasn't at first (laughs) but now it's just like it's yeah so I think it's just I think it's amazing how God uses all things if we choose to focus on him and keep our eyes on him and give our heart to him and let him heal us absolutely one of the things that keeps coming to mind when I was just thinking about doing this podcast was watching Wild, the movie with the Reese Witherspoon. Love that movie. (laughs) The choices that Reese Witherspoon makes in this movie are, you know, they're choices that, you know, anyone would go, oh my gosh, that's destructive. You know, like, stop the drugs, stop the sleeping with people that you don't care about, stop all that stuff. And then at the end of the movie, though, she says, but what if this is what I needed? What if this was the journey that I needed to go through? Yes. And I think in the church, especially, I'm sorry, I don't know where all this coming from but we're it's very hard for us to give people space that we see making those choices and sometimes of course if their life is on the line we need to help intervene as much as we can but the lessons you learn through going through those stumbles and falls with your choices about relationships you need to learn for yourself and it's a very intimate thing you know with the lord and in your own private space and uh you know i have learned you know, sometimes I give people advice and sometimes I shut up. And some, maybe I should shut up most of the time and just listen. <laughs> but that's a very, that was very impactful for me to, to not be frustrated and grieving too much about my own past choices. And I'm still working through that, you know, and to see other people make mistakes that I wish that they had kept themselves away from. Uh, because I realized that they have a journey that is much bigger than just this short span of time that has to do with a big picture that none of us can really see. Thank you for saying that. That's a lot of... That is the reason why we have this podcast. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure... Well, I don't know how much Mary Ashley has told you, but we, we definitely started both in a really broken place with regards to relationship and whatnot. But yeah, I think the church doesn't give space or too much space. Like, there, they, there's no addressing things, like, as a single or married or divorced or, you know, or struggling with sexual sin and past... We don't, as a church, come around and embrace those people, at least not well, or you know, in a, in a way that acknowledges that this is happening, and we just want to hug you, not tell you X Y Z, you know, how to fix it. Of course, there's always grace, and there's Jesus, and there's redemption, and there's the gospel. But sometimes you just need to come around people and hug them, you know, acknowledge their pain. And yeah, I mean, that's our hope anyway. But this is a good segue to our question for you, Betsy, as a producer, and of course anyone else is totally free to contribute to this. What is your philosophy around producing and engaging with secular art? 
Yes. Well, clearly, this is a secular piece. Yes. 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 But there are clearly a lot of lessons that... And themes that are universal. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do actually have a philosophy, which I came upon when I was journaling back in the day. When I was in, in college, I uh, fell into production on a movie that was being shot in my hometown. And that's how I discovered that I, I liked producing. That was a, a family-friendly show or feature film. But I wrote that I did not want to ever do a project that I couldn't find a reason to believe in. Mm. So I have followed that pretty much all of the time in the last 13 years since I wrote that. There's still some projects that going back I probably wish I could stay away from, but only a couple of them. And so I try to look at the big picture. Mm. I found myself on a, uh, I, I went to grad school for journalism and for my senior project, I wanted to write about local filmmaking. And where I was, uh, there was only really one film being made, so I had one choice. And there was some content in it that I really didn't like. I just personally didn't agree with it. I knew some of the people involved in the project. I was, you know, in there. I was reporting on them. And uh, the, one of the co-writers, and the, um, she was a producer on the project, was telling me about all these miracles that had happened to get their film done. She said, look, we had $0.0 to make this project up until like, you know, a week before shooting or something like that. She, wow. said, we needed, she said, we needed a baby for this movie and a baby was born in our family. You know, we have like, we're our cousins on set. <laughs> and, I, and we were using this beautiful theater that was being restored, which I didn't even know about, you know, that, that hadn't been seen in years. That was just being restored at the time to shoot in. And I was following them around, and these two women who had been collaborating on this project for years and seeing it coming back were just, like, crying and hugging each other. I mean, it was just so beautiful, and I was, like, in angst because I was like, why is this project getting made? And I really asked the Lord, why are you blessing this project? And, uh, and he said to me, I like making people's dreams come true. Like, this is their dream, and I got that. Like, it was very big for me because... Yeah, I don't think that everything about that project was perfect, and I don't think everything about this project is perfect. And I wouldn't recommend doing a lot of things that some of these characters do. And that's from my own mistakes as well as my, you know, own positive experiences with relationships. But I do what I do believe is that that, you know, God uses projects to bring people together and that he is making art out of us. That is more important. Like we are his workmanship. If we keep getting hung up on every little word and phrase and something that's being depicted, you know, we're not being honest with ourselves about what we watch when we're at home a lot of the times, and we're missing a chance to, to think about the big picture. That's what I try to do, and I will probably change my mind 12 times about certain projects. You know, I after I talked to Carol about this project and then I watched some more of the music, I was like, ah, did I, you know, sort of get ahead of the curve? And, and yet, like, this project just kept coming together. We're rehearsing in my church's fellowship hall. And they were like, I was like, there's some content in here. I just want you guys to know. I don't want you to be surprised when you come to see it. And they're like, fine, that's fine. Our pastor was like, you know, I'd love to see the Book of Mormon. I think that's, you know, so I was like, okay, great. And oh, if he saw Book of Mormon, he'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right. So this I was like, this is nothing compared to that. So that's my philosophy. So I wanted to briefly kind of talk about where I'm coming from um, in this, you know, with this show. And, you know, I've produced musicals and, and films and, and all types of events and things like that. And the core philosophy that I try to live by is that I think these projects have to make a difference in people's lives. Mm. That you have to touch someone in the heart and, like, create these experiences that will change them in a positive way. Yeah. That will either help them see something within themselves that they didn't realize was there that they need to reflect on. I do a lot of historical work and plays and, and dramaturgy and, and look at past events and what has happened and then how to connect them to, to current events. And so in large scale and like at home. So like all of these, so these moments in the show, there's a few moments that every time I see being rehearsed, it just breaks my heart because I've either been through it or I know really close friends that have been through it and I saw them in pain or I saw them try to struggle to get through it. And so if in the end, like what Carol mentioned, if we can have an audience enjoy our show and love our show and go home and have a conversation with their significant other 
and say, you know, I love you because of these things, then I feel like we've done our job and we produced a show that's that's beautiful and can move people. That's what I strive to do every day. Well, that was perfect. <laughs> well, I'm still walking it out, to be honest, just because I did just I did theater for a very long time in New York prior to this to this three year season of of total rest and surrender. So, you know, I've just stepped back in and like Betsy was saying, there is so much about my character that I don't approve of. But it's really interesting because of, you know, my past and my walk. And I mean, definitely I was not raised Christian. You name it, I did it. <laughs> and so it's it's like what you're saying. There's so many parts from my past that I can so easily, you know, pull from in moments. And a lot of it does hit really close to home. Just revisiting that brokenness, revisiting the pain, you know. And that's that's what's so amazing about being an actress, you know, is that ability to be able to access those things. And um, I'm actually really excited to keep moving forward in the rehearsal process because I'm just really getting on my feet now, mm. if that makes sense. So now I can actually start to really go deeper. But yeah, you know, and I, I was at church this morning and I was handing out the flyers and, you know, my community is really excited. And, you know, I, you know, I'm not apologizing for anything. I'm just like, you know, come. It's a great show. You know, I'm really excited about it. So, yeah, I'm still figuring out my philosophy, but I feel really this community of people aside from nothing else, has just really been a blessing. And moving up here and just having community and connectedness and being creative and, and having a project and feeling really alive and enlivened, you know, a part of me that wasn't being fed. So, yeah, I'm still walking it out. But it's And can I just good. say, I, I, just to, to kind of, not to push back against um, this idea that we shouldn't kind of be, consider when we talk about these types of shows and communities of faith, but like, Church folks are sinners too. That's why you're there. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, Reach. So, I mean, like, the idea that, like, we can't be like, well, oh no, we have to, like, you know, handle you with kid gloves and we have to pretend like you've never heard right. this word or never, like, yeah. had a lustful Sanitize thought or, like, everything. No, yeah. I mean, like, this is part of the human experience. Yeah. And every time someone brings it, I'm like, have you not read the Bible? Yeah. <laughs> are you right. kidding me? <laughs> Yeah. You know, I'm going to be completely honest. Um, I was raised very, very, very religious. I've kind of moved away from that as I became an adult. But this idea that, like, um, you know, that, that God has created these, like, these perfect people and we can only engage mm-hmm. with, I mean, like, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus' example. He's going out and mm-hmm. preaching to people, you know, like, to sinners, right? So this idea that we cannot engage people who are in the secular world, I mean, like, we're all living this human experience, and these themes are universal. They are human. Mm-hmm. They're, They're human, human for, for everyone. <laughs> I think they are, and I think it's a fine line, though, between, it's not about being perfect, but it's about glorifying behavior that yeah. is unhealthy, and that's, my, and I'm not saying that this show does that, but just speaking to that, that's really my issue with, like, young women today, and, like, the media, and things like the Kardashians, and whatever, it's like... Mm-hmm sex tapes, all those things, you know? It's like, yes, that happens in the world. Yes, we're broken, but that doesn't make it okay. I don't yeah, think. it's the recognition It's It's it. the glorifying. Yeah. I mean, it happens, it's out there, so as long as it's acknowledged as a part of the world, but not glorifying, glamorized. glamorizing yeah. it, that's... Yeah. And I don't feel like this show glamorizes it. I feel like it's more a statement on... It's a very Everything. human a experience. Very human experience. It's, an, it's, exactly. it's an every man experience exactly. or woman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I would like to go out and like in, encourage young people to be like, hey, like you know, I wouldn't like invite my teenage cousins to be like, hey, come see the show. And certainly not at all. No. Um, but I do think that there are, especially like within you know your own spiritual walk, there are moments where you go, well, yeah, I did that. Oh yeah, and and you can absolutely relate to that, and maybe mm-hmm. you have a different perspective on how you should proceed now than when you were in that space. But um, I think that's the wonderful thing about art. I think that's really the powerful thing about art um, is that you have those. To, I can't think of a better phrase, but those moments of conviction, right? Where yes. you're watching this and you and it it, it may change you for the better, right? It may like mm. spark something within you yeah. that leads you to you know, to do a little bit more self-introspection. And art has the ability to to uh, strike up conversations. Right. That's, we're having a conversation right now. And and yeah. so if audiences after the show have a conversation about their past and things like that, then I think we've accomplished another facet of what we're doing by creating this musical. Yeah, yeah and I was just going to say, you know, for me, at least in, in my childhood and what drew me into theater was that experience you know, like for me, there's no other experience in the world like live theater. 
and just getting mm-hmm. drawn into it. You know, we were even talking about um, Next to Normal's playing and Betsy saw it last night. And, you know, when I saw that in New York, it fundamentally, like, changed me at my core. You know, so I, that's that's why I loved your philosophy and your mission statement, you know, on theater. So if it's, if it's doing that, whatever that is, whatever that conversation is for that person, because I saw that show with other people and, like, all of our takeaway all of our perspective was so different and we all watched the same thing and experienced the same thing. So yeah, I think this show will definitely do that for sure. (laughs) I hope so. I absolutely, I'm like delighted to hear. This is very exciting for me to like hear all of this. This is kind of like the first time that I'm hearing all of this, which delights me. I'm almost wishing that my, my guys were here too, because I would love the male perspective. Sure. I mean, as a director, I feel like, the only thing I can say is that, like, it's very interesting to hear, like, your personal views on Marcy and your personal views on Diana. I do my absolute best not to judge any of these characters because then I can't serve, I can't right. serve the musical if I'm coming in, like, with any judgment on any of them. I mean, literally, I, I will literally, and this goes, this is true to life also. I feel anytime that I'm sitting upon my high horse, I literally have my Texas mother uh, <laughs> ringing in the back of my head. And uh, one of the phrases that she loves zinging me with and gotta love her because she's coming at me with seven years worth of wisdom and she'll be like, hard enough to live your own life, let alone anyone else's. (laughs) And you know what? She's 100% correct. It is hard enough for any human being to live their own life, let alone anybody else's. And I think that sometimes... I'm like, she's 100% correct. And just having that in the back of my head, I'm like, yeah, let me just take about five steps back. And before I start thinking about what you, 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 and you are all up to, I'm just going to kind of concentrate on right here. Let me just go ahead and do that. That's not a bad way to live my life also. Well, I think that's a good place to end it. Why don't you tell us about where we can see your musical? I hope that everybody who is listening to this, and especially the two of y'all, I hope that you will come to the Grove Theater Center in Burbank. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is part of the Parks and Recreation. We have our first preview on Thursday, September 15th, with an official opening on Friday, September 16th, and we will play for three weeks. We play Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights at 8 p.m. with Sunday matinees 2 p.m. and our close will be Sunday, October 2nd. Awesome. We'll definitely have this on the website as well. That would be wonderful. But how could we get tickets? Tickets are available through brown paper tickets. Uh, The website is going to be I Love You Because Musical dot brown paper tickets dot com. Awesome. I'm really, really, really excited to go watch it. We cannot thank you enough for allowing us to do this and Good, we thank you very much I oh, just thank you thank you thank you thank you this was fun awesome <laughs> yeah. well with that thank you everyone for listening to our podcast uh, we are recording in Mary Ashley's Glendale apartment so you'll hear some Burbank planes flying overhead if you have any questions comments or feedback please email us at fishersofmenpodcasts at gmail.com or on our website at fishersofmenpodcasts.com you'll also find information on I Love You Because the musical there we are also on Facebook under Fisher of men and on twitter as at elegon fishing and we just got on instagram as fishers of men podcast feel free to rate us on any podcast app but especially itunes and especially itunes <laughs> yes absolutely this has been episode 17 of fishers of men i'm laura smear i'm mary ashley burton i'm laura bevelacqua i'm carol becker i'm only may heller i'm christine bennett and i'm betsy freeman uh, until next time keep swimming